Podcast Answer Man, episode number 194. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the podcast about podcasting. We are here each and every week to help you get the answers to the questions that you have that could help you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster or a podcaster that's been podcasting since podcasting began, there's no doubt that even I and everyone else out there can always do something to take our shows to that next level. And my friends, today I have at least six of your questions coming in on the voicemail feedback hotline, and so we are going to jump right into things, and um, uh, yeah, I think so. I could tell you what all we're going to cover, but uh, I think everything is going to be so good that you're going to want to just listen to the whole thing. So <laughs> let's jump right into it with our first question of the day coming in from George. Hi Cliff, this is George Edwards calling from the UK for the podcast Answer Man. I was just wondering about upgrading equipment. Say, for instance, you've bought a really cheap starter setup and you have a set budget to upgrade it. Is it going to be better to buy, say, a Heil mic or to upgrade your whole system just a little bit? If you're using a very low-quality setup, is it worth getting a Heil or will it just simply not be making the most of the mic? Again, thank you so much for your awesome content and I'm a big fan of the new Plus membership. Thanks again, George. George, thank you very much for the question. And my, my friend, let me tell you, I remember exactly where I sat the day that that question was on my lips and the person that I asked that question to. I mean, and I'm not kidding you when I said it's almost word for word. I actually had the opportunity uh, to talk with Leo Laporte, who is basically somebody that I look up to very highly. Uh, and, and I have him up on a little podcasting, podcasting pedestal. You, if you've been a long-time listener, you know that. Uh, so, you know, the higher he is, the, the, the farther he has that he can fall. Uh, but anyway, uh, I remember asking him that. And let me explain to you my starter setup, if you will. Or I, I, Technically, it, it depends on what your starter setup is. Now, if your starter setup is, you know, an inexpensive uh, microphone and, a, and an inexpensive... Uh, mixer, but as long as those are XLR connectors on your mixer, you can take in a you know the little mic jack that has the three prongs on it. If you have a mixer that has XLR ports and you're using a microphone, it doesn't matter if you're using um, condenser mics, uh, uh, dynamic mic, whatever the case may be. Sound now, if that's what you mean when you say starter setup, then I am going to tell you the you know. The, the answer to your question, should I upgrade you know, my mixer first and, and, and then do the microphone? Because the question is, if I get this Heil microphone, is this little tiny inky dinky mixer going to really uh, you know, let it shine, to let it do its thing? Or am I going to spend all my money on this microphone and it not really help anything because I'm still dealing with that little stuff? So the answer to your question and is, is I'm going to give you the same exact advice that I uh, got from Leo Laporte. And Leo Laporte said to me, and I'm not sure if it's word for word, he says, but he said, Cliff, you want to go out and get the Heil PR40 microphone. 
your microphone is the most important piece of equipment in your podcasting setup. Um, and of course, what I learned uh, through, uh, you know, playing around and, and, and stuff like that is that it really the mixer, it doesn't matter if you have a $50 Behringer mixer with, you know, with one XLR input uh, and a couple of, you know, line ins for some, you know, maybe computer audio or something like that to come in. Or if you have the Mackie 1402 VLZ3 mixer, which costs a couple hundred dollars like the one that I have, it does not matter. My Heil PR40 plugged into the into my Mackie mixer going straight into my Edderall recorder uh, would sound exactly the same. Well, okay, I'm going to give you a caveat where that might be different, but I'm, it's going to be pretty much exactly the same as if I plugged it into a $45 Behringer 1XLR input um, mixer. It, it's practically going to sound the same. Now, there is a there is one component in there that really is is going to make a difference, and that is, um, and, and it's a slight difference. It, it's called your preamp. So it's what takes your your voice and amplifies it. You know, it, it. So some preamps are going to sound a little warmer and and more uh, rounded than than maybe say a cheaper preamp. But to be honest with you, I. I've I've gone both ways on on my Hiles because when I go out on the road, I do take my Hiles with me. I take my my boom microphone arms with the C clamps, and I take my Hiel PR40s and put them in a case and and uh, pack all that stuff up. And I take my little you know sixty five dollar Behringer mixer, and I hit the road. And when I record those shows, they don't sound any different. I mean, practically, they don't sound any different than when I have those microphones plugged in into my my big old mixer here in the studio. So my answer to you, George, and to everybody else out there that might be wondering the same thing, as long as you have a mixer that's already accepting an XLR port and you're looking to upgrade either your mixer and overall gear just a little bit or just go ahead and splurge a little bit on the microphone, I think if you splurge on the microphone, you'll be happy with your new and improved sound until you're able to even save up more money to kind of expand the rest of your equipment out. So, George, I hope that was uh, helpful to you. And we're going to next move on to Dave Foster from down in uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Dave, take it away. Hey, Cliff, this is Dave Foster from Nashville and the David and Paula show with a question. Hey, I know that you are a big thesis theme guy, and uh, I bought your tutorial, uh, which is uh, uh, very well worth it, by the way. But I've, I've been seeing a lot of uh, other websites that have the standard or the standard two theme, something like that. Just wondered uh, if you've ever thought about the comparison between the two, still a big uh, thesis theme fan. And uh, how about a place like uh, Squarespace that uh, you hear an awful lot about today? Uh, just thought I'd ask, see what your opinion is. Uh, by the way, I've bought several of your uh, digital products. Love them, love them, love them. They've been very practical and incredibly great value. So keep up the great work, buddy. Appreciate you. David, thank you very much. And by the way, I look forward to seeing you in about two weeks on the No More Mondays cruise. Uh, that's right. David and his wife, Paula, are going to be speakers on the cruise uh, with myself and Dan Miller and a couple other folks, and it's going to be a huge blast. And David, I am looking forward to that time. 
So uh, I will see you there. Uh, now to your question here, have I ever heard, first and foremost, I have never heard of the standard or standard two theme. Um, that doesn't speak anything for that theme or against it. Uh, I just have never heard of it. Uh, there are literally thousands upon thousands of WordPress themes out there. Obviously, WordPress comes with it with its own standard default theme. It's not the standard theme that probably you're talking about, but it comes with a default theme. And um, the when they came out with version 3.0, the, the theme that comes by default is a lot more customizable, at least in the header area and the nav menu and, and all that other stuff, which is really nice. To be honest with you, because I've never really liked the previous versions of the default theme, I, I never even gave the, the new default theme even a chance. I, I don't even know. I, I've not even played around with it because I, I've found other themes that have been, you know, that I've invested a great amount of time in learning how to do the things that I would want to do in those themes. Now, for me, for the longest time, this meant I was using a revolution theme, which then turned into Studio Press. Actually, I purchased a developer's kit for them because I have so many different websites. I always want to get the license that allows me to use it on all my all my sites. Um, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it for somebody like me. And, and also it allows me to install on customer sites at a lower cost, uh, than if they had to pay for it themselves, which is kind of nice. But to get back to the uh, deal here, when I learned the revolution theme, it took me a couple weeks to really get around inside of there to figure out how to tinker and change some colors here and how to do this there. And, and while I am not a PHP programmer and I know very little about CES or CES, CSS, uh, custom style sheets, I was able to get in there with Revolution Pro, which was my used to be my favorite theme. And uh, I really learned how to customize a lot of things. And I got so good at it that I really didn't want to look into any other themes. And I can't remember why. Oh, I do remember why. I do remember why. I heard somebody talking about the thesis theme and I did a search on on the internet about the thesis theme and I, I saw the video over there that talked about, you know, let me show you real quick in five minutes how we can make a site look from this to this. And then they walked you through and showed you, it's like, oh, wow, you can do that. Wow, you don't even have to play around with CSS and, and all this other stuff. And uh, so I was I was enticed to check out the thesis theme. Now, I'll tell you, it, thesis theme is extremely easy to use, especially if you don't know any PHP code or CSS. Um, and, I, and I know enough to do the things I'd want, but I, you don't, with thesis, you don't have to know anything. Now, of course, the, you know, they upgraded StudioPress, and, and a lot of these premium themes all have this built-in functionality where pretty much you don't need to know anything uh, about any kind of coding. You just need to go in and tell it what colors you want for all of the different little elements. So a lot of things are, themes are coming up with this. And, and I don't know, but the standard and the standard two themes may even be in that category. So my question, so your question is, you know, w- would I ever be interested in kind of comparing those? To be honest with you, no, not really. And the reason why is not because I'm obstinate and that I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, well, gosh, you're a consultant. Shouldn't you know a little bit more about some other options that are out there for your clients? Yeah, I, I guess that could be one argument. But a lot of my clients over the years, and I've been I've been uh, consulting now for four and a half years, five years, uh, you know, kind of like just 
part-time and, and playing around with things. But then, you know, I've been doing this full-time as my only source of income. Well, my career, I mean, it's not my only source of income consulting because I, I have content that I produce and that brings in some income as well. And so do the webinars and digital products and stuff. But uh, you get what I'm saying. I've been consulting now for three years as a career and in all of my experience, what people have wanted from me is not to, for me to have an, a knowledge of everything that's out there so that they know all the options. Everybody so far has wanted to know, hey, Cliff, I see that you're doing this. Can you show, since you already found something that works, can you tell me how I can get that to work for me? And, uh, you know, I, but I, I, mean, I say that. I just want to say that, you know, I am learning new things. But uh, to answer your question, a new theme is not one of them right now. And my moving from Studio Press over to Thesis, I believe, was actually that step that I just told you that I wouldn't be, that I'm not really willing to do right now. Now, here's the situation. I was almost ready to move away from Thesis and go find something new about, I don't know if it was five or six months ago, when uh, Chris, I think, is it Pearson or McPherson? Anyway, the guy, the creator of Thesis uh, kind of fell out of favor with Matt Mollenwag, the guy who created and uh, came up with the idea of WordPress. And there was a big, huge argument and fight between these guys. It was very public about over the open source licensing and, and Chris's licensing and and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, if, if that didn't get resolved, I was going to actually drop my support of Thesis and I was going to move something else over, over to something else so that I could recommend things that aren't so controversial. But here's the deal. Um, Chris and, and Matt, I don't think they're, you know, they're going to go out and have a have a drink or, or you know, invite each other over to a, a Super Bowl game, a Super Bowl game here anytime soon. Uh, but, or party, uh, I think that's what you football people do. You invite people over to watch football once a year. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not a sports guy. But the deal is, though, is that they did work out the issues. Uh, and Chris, you know, kind of changed some things away around with his licensing. And that made me very happy because I devoted a lot of time to getting into knowing how to do the things that I want to do with Thesis. And there are a couple of reasons why I'm not even, you know, I was hoping that we wouldn't have to move. Because number one, Here's what I want you to do. Go in and say, uh, go to Google and type in this, fr- this just this phrase. You don't have to put it in quotes or anything. Just go to google.com and in the search box, type, search box, type in, how do I move the nav menu below header in thesis? All right. If you need to rephrase, get that again, go back into, or, or you can just paraphrase it. You just ask the question however you want. Uh, and I guarantee you, you're going to find probably if, if you watched the videos that came up, came up, you know, the video blog posts of people giving you little screencasts of how to do that. Um, chances are you're going to find at least uh, three to five, maybe even six or seven hours worth of five minute videos that show you exactly how to do that with the various different versions that have existed in the past of the thesis theme. Although some of these things are becoming so easy. And uh, that's how I learned. I actually got into, I I purchased the thesis theme. I got the developer's option and I installed it and I'm like, okay, now how do I do this? And that wasn't completely evident. So I went and I researched and there are literally thousands of people. And I'm I'm not kidding. It's thousands and thousands of people who are in the thesis theme 
community. And there's power in community. And I know uh, my good friend, Pastor David, knows uh, there is power in community. And so when you come together and, and you don't know how to do something, you can get together with other people who are also using that same software. And I'll tell you, the, the support that you'll get for Thesis is just second to, well, second to none. Although, you know, my good friends over at Studio Press, they, they do some really great support as well. It's, but I'm really happy with the Thesis theme. And no, I don't have any plans to... To check out some other ones. Now, you asked me about uh, Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace is um, a service where you kind of have your hosting and your website all in one. It's kind of like, I mean, technically speaking, you've got, you know, your you can go to get your Bluehost hosting and you install WordPress and it's kind of all there and you can uh, adjust and, and configure your site to kind of look the way you want to with WordPress with, you know, with the various themes and all that other stuff. Whereas Squareface, Squarespace is pretty much it's all it, it's it's all like one big package you sign in and it's kind of like its own version of its own wordpress its own content management system software and it's supposedly real easy to drag and drop and some things over there now i'm not going to sit here and 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 bad talk a service out there but i just I, what i will say is this hmm how can i put this delicately I will say it in this way. Squarespace would be great if I was a blogger. I don't know that I would really recommend it for podcasting. I would recommend Squarespace for podcasting about as much as I would recommend WordPress.com and Blogger. You know, Blogger or Blogspot.com. You know, the Blogger blogs. I, in my mind, the thing is, is it, it's an, it's an, you know, it's, it's, it's relatively expensive compared to some of the other options that are out there. But uh, the deal here is that um, I, I don't, I don't think you need to pay that much, and I don't think that it gives you enough functionality with all of the different things that comes out, come out for WordPress. I mean, sure, you're going to get a site; it's going to have an RSS feed on it, and um, you, you can take that to FeedBurner and get the iTunes stuff, but. Man, there's so many plugins with WordPress that are not that obviously aren't made for Squarespace. And yes, I know Squarespace has modules, and and so chances are there might be one or maybe even an option of two or three different modules for chat, or maybe a different module for this widget or that widget, and and you can plug in maybe some HTML widgets and stuff like that. Well, you can plug anything you can plug in an HTML widget into WordPress, but you have WordPress plugins. In the th- in the thousands, maybe even in the tens of thousands of plugins for WordPress that allow you to t- tweak and 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 do everything you could ever imagine to your WordPress site. I really believe that WordPress is the most solid platform, and the only recommendation I would give for somebody who wanted to to operate a podcast. Though, let me say this very clearly: I have some dear friends of mine who are operating po- uh, podcasts off of WordPress.com, off of Blogger.com, and they are working just fine. They don't have the functionality to do half of the stuff that I do, but that's okay. They have no desire to do those things. They just simply want a site. They want to not have to worry about backups or updates or all that other stuff, and uh, and they're happy with what they have. And I'm happy that they're happy as long as they're producing uh, regular, consistent content, and they are... Um, you know, moving forward in, in, in all of those things. 
So David, I hope that helps out. We're going to move along here. I'm going to just say that Mike V left a comment on my equipment page. That's right. I have the comments open on one of the pages on my site over there at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. Anyway, he says, I have to ask if podcasting is dead. Does anyone listen to them anymore? Uh, Let's see. When there are vibrant and entertaining video casts to be found everywhere. Uh, The reason I ask is I'm interested in podcasting some of the essays I have written and thought that, uh, he said, I thought that would make uh, for a good vehicle for distribution or exposure. Well, Mike, here's the answer to your question. Yes, podcasting is still alive and it's very, there are, literally there are millions of people out there who are listening to podcasts And as far as, you know, wondering, you know, with all that vibrant and entertaining video content out there, well, guess what? Those people are not, well, okay, except for the extremely dangerous people that you do not want to be on the highway with, uh, those people, (laughs) those millions of people who are driving to work uh, every day on their commute, they're hopefully not watching video. Those people that you see uh, jogging and running on the treadmill, uh, a lot of those people with earbuds, you'd think they're listening to workout music. A lot of those people really are listening to podcast content. Uh, you got people out there walking their dogs or going for a jog or a long walk through the park, many times listening to podcasts and wanting to make sure that they're looking at what's in front of them so they don't run into a telephone pole. Those people are not watching video either. And so honestly, you've also got an entire crew of people in this world who who have mind-numbing jobs <laughs> uh, that they actually, where they, and, and I, I did not mean that to sound um, uh, like judgment or anything if you're, but there are, there are people out there who have, who have jobs that require little thought and instead they're just sitting there data entry, they're reading thing off, things off of one screen, putting them on another screen, and they're listening to podcasts all day long while they do it. Uh, they're not able to watch video because video is distracting. You got truck drivers out there. You, so, so to answer your question, Mike, uh, my suggestion is that if you're looking for an outlet and a distribution channel and exposure for some of your written thought, yeah, if you have, uh, if you, um, if you have a good voice that that you want to share with the world, then fire up a microphone, record some audio content, and make it available. If you're a really good-looking person and you got a really great setup for high-quality video and you believe you can create one of those vibrant and entertaining video casts, then have at it. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm not against video, although some people get the feeling that I am. I just think I just prefer audio. I just prefer it. Uh, so there you go. Let's move on to Adam. Adam's got this question. Cliff, uh, this is Adam from the show Proudly Resents. A website, proudlyresents.com, that's on WordPress. And not only is it for the, the podcast, but also I put up um, postings, blog postings, and it gets mixed up in the RSS feed. I was wondering if that's okay or if there's a way to separate the blog posts and the um, podcast posts. All right, thanks again, and thanks for uh, updating your, your logo to your current facial hair. <laughs> all right, big fan. Thanks for everything. All right, Again, thanks, Adam. What do I do? Can I put the blogs on this? Uh, okay, we got it. All right, so Adam, yeah, thank you for the question. And uh, so your first thing is, is you started a podcast, and now you've been blogging. And in between your blog, in between your podcast episodes, you've got some blog posts in there. And now this RSS feed 
is kind of like littered with these blog posts. And if you don't mind, I'm paraphrasing what you said there. And that's kind of the way I think that you're feeling about those blog posts being intermingled with your podcast episodes as though it might be tainting the pool or something. Well, you know, I am not against uh, mingling your blog posts and your podcast episodes all in the same feed, although I'm going to tell you why I prefer personally to separate them and how to do so. But uh, WordPress, here's the deal. Your main feed, if you have your permalink set up correctly, you should be able to go to your domain slash F-E-E-D. And that's going to give you your RSS feed, That probably the one that you're talking about. It's your main feed off of your site. And it's going to include any post to any category on your site at any time. So that, or at least, and depending on how many people, how many number of uh, items that you choose to display in your RSS feed. And so if you end up doing that, then uh, basically what happens is um, you will, uh, you know, you'll have them all intermingled there. Now, the reason why I, and, and by the way, if, if you're going to give somebody as um, an RSS feed to subscribe to your blog, let's just say they're going to read your, they're going to check, you're going to check out your blog on a regular basis in, let's say, Google Reader or one of the RSS readers out there then this is a good thing. I, that's the feed I would give them, the one that has both the podcast episodes and the, uh, and the, bl- and the podcast episodes and the blog entries because they're going to be reading your blog and hopefully your, your show notes look close enough to a blog post that you know if they wanted to quickly glance, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to get an idea of what you shared in that podcast episode. And uh, if they have a good uh, RSS reader like Google Reader, if there's a media enclosure attached for a podcast, there'll be a player button there. And so they can actually click and play right from Google Reader and listen to your podcast episode. And so it's a great way to get uh, those people who subscribe to your blog listening or interested in your audio podcast. Okay, now with that being said, what about sending, what about what we send over to iTunes? Why would I? prefer to send just a RSS feed with only podcast episodes in it. And the reason is this. Let's just say you set it up to where your um, RSS on WordPress, if you go into the dashboard, go over on the left-hand side under settings and then under reading, you'll see how, you know, you got a setting there that talks about how many items that you're going to display in your RSS feed. I think by default it might show, I don't know if it's three or 10 or whatever. I think it's 10. Anyway, um, you can change that to, let's just say you change it to 50, all right? That, that's a, that, that would be the first thing I would change it to anyways, is 50. And so let's just say you have 75 podcast episodes that you've done, and you're only showing the recent, you, you've got it to show only the most recent 50. So when you go into iTunes, they're going to say, hey, this guy has 50 episodes. Well, let's just say three weeks ago, you started blogging, in between podcast episodes, and and within the last couple weeks, you've done 10 blog, bo- blog posts. Well, when you go to iTunes, the next time you release a podcast episode and you look into your listing, it's going to show that you only have 40 podcast episodes available for download. Why? Because your RSS feed, if you have a mixed, your your blog posts that do not have a media enclosure are ignored by iTunes, which is good, by the way, because you don't want your blog posts showing up in your RS in, in your iTunes listing page and and downloading text content. Um, so so that's that's what's going to happen there. So you're not actually getting the full benefit of the number of podcast episodes 
into that one category or into the iTunes store or available for download. If you wanted, you know, 50, you might have to actually continually go in and increase that number. So here's here's what I do. Uh, WordPress automatically gives you an RSS feed for every single category that you create. So here's, and again, this all depends on how your permalinks are set up, but if you were to go to, uh, you know, like mydomain.com slash category slash, and then the, the slug for your category or the name of your category slash feed, guess what? And I'll just give you an example of this. I think, um, the category that I have set up for Podcast Answer Man on my site is um, podcastanswerman.com. And I'm going to type this in here as I'm typing it up because I'm pretty sure this is the way it is. Podcastanswerman.com slash category slash podcastanswerman. By the way, if I just stop um, if I just stop there, what I'm going to get without sl- typing in the slash feed, now I'm actually going to get a category listing of just podcast episodes on my site. So it's not going to show me any blog postings. It's only going to show me uh, the actual category of podcasting, anything that's been put into that category. And uh, now if I go in and just at the end of that and put slash feed, now I'm going to get an RSS feed that only includes podcast episodes. And if you have 75 podcast episodes and you told your RSS feeds from WordPress to show the most recent 50, it's going to show the most recent 50 podcast episodes available for iTunes. So my recommendation would be to take your uh, your category for podcasting, get the RSS feed just for that category, send that over to FeedBurner, use FeedBurner to make your iTunes or your podcast uh, iTunes compatible and, and all the other directory compatible. And then, of course, what you would do is submit that on over to iTunes and, and the other directories like BlackBerry and Zune. So I hope that helps. Um, yeah. And, and of course, for, like I said, for your bloggers, uh, you know, for, it says, hey, subscribe to the blog. Make sure, just give them the main feed that, ha- that includes both. All right. So we're going to move on to Chris and Allie. Chris and Allie, I think this is their first call into the show. Together, hey, anyway. Cliff. Hey, Cliff. I this think is Chris, Chris is and this before. is Allie. From the Smorg Show podcast. The Smorg Show podcast. <laughs> and we're calling the podcast Answer Man with a question. As we approach our one-year anniversary of doing a podcast together. Next week. Congratulations. We are um, wondering how we get our show noticed, given that we don't really have a specific topic or subject um, that our show revolves around. It's just kind of a random show with more than one topic that we cover. Yeah, smorg is short for smorgasbord, so therefore it's like more of a variety of a type uh, subject matter. We do uh, old-time radio shows, game shows, contests. Uh, Stories, news. Yeah, so in, in the iTunes listing, it's listed under comedy, even though it's not all funny. <laughs> but um, I'm just having a difficult time because people aren't going to actually search for anything that would bring, you know, like a gardening show if you, or a podcasting. Uh, people would type in that subject matter and you could possibly link your show somehow. But how do you get noticed in a situation like ours? You don't even search, search for smorg. <laughs> I know. No one's looking for smorg. It's not in anybody's lexicon yet. Anyway, just thought uh, thought you'd have some ideas, possibly getting listed in some podcast directories, but uh, looking forward to your feedback. Because after all, you are the podcast answer man. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks. All righty. Well, thank you so much, uh, Chris and Allie. Congratulations, by the way, on one year of podcasting. And what I'm going to recommend to you probably is going to sound 
really, really crazy to you. And you're going to think, who does this guy think he is? All right. So here's the here's the deal. You, you've actually pointed out the reason why you may think that you're having some issues growing your audience. Uh, and you you picked out the, the two things. Number one, um, you have a lack of a niche, a niche topic. So you haven't really focused down on one specific area that uh, people might be searching for. And you also, I don't, you kind of roundabout brought up the issue of branding. Uh, so, for example, uh, you're, you're right. There's probably not a lot of people searching for smorg. So, and, and, and not only that, but we'll get to the branding in just a minute. Let me, let me talk about the niche audience for, for just a moment. Uh, because the, this is interesting because this is how I started out with podcasting. When I started the show, uh, generally speaking, the idea is that, you know, the podcast, I didn't, I called it generally speaking because I didn't think that, you know, I could limit, I didn't want to limit myself to just one topic. I had so many different things that I was interested in. And so it was either going to be faith, it was going to be technology, or it was going to be the TV show Lost. And so I started a show called Generally Speaking, and I was going to generally speak about whatever topic that I was passionate about that particular day. And and I learned very quickly that that's not what people want. Um, you know, I'm not saying that general audience uh, shows uh, don't, you know, make it, and uh, there there certainly are several that do. Uh, you've got, uh, gosh, I, I don't know that I, I would personally recommend them, and I, I honestly, I don't listen to them. I think they were probably a little bit more on the uh, explicit side of things, but Don and Drew, that's a, that's a general audience show, although I don't know, that might be more comedy than anything. I don't know. I never listened. Anyway, um, but yes, there are some general shows that'll make it and stuff like that, but there's really, the, the potential for growth happens, I believe, when you really narrow down a focus on a particular topic or area or field of interest. Um, you know, you think I would have learned my lesson when after the first episode of the Generally Speaking podcast, I had people beg me to, or actually after the second episode of the Generally Speaking podcast, um, I had people beg me to actually not talk about the other topics in that podcast, but instead do a Lost podcast only. You know, one focused solely on the TV show Lost. And I'm glad I did because we actually started what we called at that time the Weekly Lost podcast. And when we did, uh, our audience size went from, let's say, 50 to 14,000. Okay, so it, it was huge. Now, of course, I don't think everybody's going to just jump right up to 14,000 these days. And I don't even think I could duplicate, you know, going from zero to 14,000 over again, um, unless the circumstances were similar. And of course, the circumstances at that time was the TV show Lost had just uh, been placed in the iTunes store for the very first time. Um, and, and so you could, you could actually rent the episodes or you could actually, no, you could buy the episodes for like $2 and 99 cents, you know, the day or two after they were, uh, viewed on television. And so that had just happened. And not only that, but lost in the first season, maybe even into the second season, they were playing a lot of music. And so there was people looking for lost soundtracks to see if there were any available. So they were going to iTunes to search for lost and when they pulled up Lost, a search, they showed, pot, you know, the podcasts with that name in it. And I was up near the top, right, with some other Lost podcasters. So just because I chose a niche, that audience grew like crazy because 
people were searching for Lost. They weren't searching for generally speaking. Although, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, if you were to go to Google right now, just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and type in generally uh, speaking and t- you know, go in there and tell me what is the second... Uh, actually, I'm looking here right now. Uh, we've got one, two... On the front page, uh, the second entry is gspn.tv. We used to be number one, but the thesaurus kicked us out. Um, And then all the way down at the bottom, I guess that's number 10, uh, there is the Wikipedia article about generally speaking. So, uh, and it looks like, so yeah, right now we're only in two places. But still, uh, generally speaking is a pretty pretty big term and uh, we're still getting some good stuff there but it's not because of the show generally speaking it's because of all the niche podcasting that we've done as a result I'm gonna and when I told you you know my recommendation for you is a consideration of of changing your brand uh, possibly or adjusting things in a small way so I'm gonna give you an example of just changing your name all right. Now, again, I, I don't know if you, that's something that interests you, but uh, I'm going to give you an example of another podcast. You'd think I would learn my lesson from generally speaking and not call a podcast My Crazy Life, which is, you know, what happened was, generally speaking, that idea where I could talk about anything and everything I wanted, well, I, I actually started that as, an, as another show, as actually a second show, and I called it My Crazy Life. And I could care less what people thought of the title at the time because, you know what, it, it's just for me anyway to talk about anything I want to talk that's not lost related. You know, I, 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 I wanted to get back to talking about technology and, and, and faith and, and all the other things that were interesting to me, you know, all my other passions. So I started this thing called My Crazy Life, and it was like my daily audio journal. Anything and everything that was on my mind, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I, I did that podcast, and the only reason that audience grew and I will say pretty much the only reason. Now, uh, I have learned over the years that there are probably about 15 or 20 people who actually found the show My Crazy Life as one of the shows, which was the first thing that they were introduced to who we are here at gspn.tv. But I'll tell you the reason why they found those is because of the title of the episodes pulled it up in, in iTunes. So if you want to keep Schmorg's show... Make sure that you list the tit- you know the title of your episode. Make sure it's keyword specific for for some really highly searched uh, trafficked um, um, keywords. But just having it in the title alone, if there are other podcasts out there that have those keywords in the title, they're going to just push you down down the in the ranks uh, in the search results anyway. But anyway, so I had the show called My Crazy Life. And after several years, and I'm not kidding, several years, uh, and 397, 397 episodes of this podcast, my audience size for that show was only about 200 people. That's it. After, after several years, okay, and, and after 397 episodes, that podcast still only had approximately 200 subscribers. And you know what? Every single time I I checked out, you know, or I would talk about My Crazy Life and say, hey folks, we listen, you know, I, I recorded a special episode of My Crazy Life and you should go check it out. And and it's like, I had people tell me over and over again, it's like, well, you know, I'm just not interested in a show called My Crazy Life. 
You know, it's like, who wants to hear about this guy talking about his crazy life? I got my own crazy life to work worry about. So what I decided after 397 episodes and after recording that podcast for years is that I was going to rebrand it. And I changed it to pursuing a balanced life. Now, guess what? The format of the show did not change. I still talked about everything that I had been talking about over the last couple of years. The show did not change. That matter of fact, the the show didn't change. The topics didn't change. It was still my daily, you know, my regular audio journal of what's going on in my life. Anything I want to talk about that I don't have another podcast for, it's still all the same. But the the thing that had changed about me though was that instead of just confessing that I have a crazy life, I got very serious about pursuing a more healthy and balanced life. And it's like, you know what? I am going to talk about anything that I'm passionate about, and I'm going to talk about how does this fit into who I am as a person and in my life. And that's really, you know, that's been my pursuit all along. I just never called it that. I never really recognized my crazy life as me sharing my desire to become a more balanced person, a more balanced and uh, healthy human being. And, uh, but I'll tell you this, I I did after, I think it was episode, I said, it, I told people in episode 397, I think, uh, that after, you know, when it comes to episode 400, we're going to change the title of this pod, or the name of this podcast to Pursuing a Balanced Life. Well, I didn't wait until episode 400, I think it was either 397 or episode 398, I went ahead and changed the name to Pursuing a Balanced Life. Can I tell you this? thousands of people subscribe to pursuing a balanced life thousands and uh we saw the the week after i changed the name to pursuing a balanced life i started to see about 10 15 sometimes as many as 20 new subscribers every week to that podcast and here's the situation when i would get onto the lost podcast or the gray's anatomy podcast or some of these other niche podcasts where people were interested in what we were talking about and whenever i would say hey folks i have another show that i do called pursuing a balanced life and i did an episode on this topic i mean we're talking you know we just added 800 new downloads for that episode whereas before when i used to cross promote my crazy life uh we would see maybe an additional 20 or 30 downloads so there's a lot in a name, a ton in a name. And and so I don't know if you're if you're willing after a year to change the smorg show to something else. Um, and if not, here's a, another thing that I can help you out with. Uh, some other ideas to think about and ponder. Well, let's just say smorg show is your brand. It's your baby. It's who you are. It's your, it was your dream from inception of podcasting. And you really can't imagine after a year investing into this like I did after three years and 397 episodes. But let's just say you're just not willing to change it. The smorg show is the smorg show. It's who we are. Well, uh, if you're not willing to change the name to something that's going to be more appealing and, and search keyword friendly and, and just pique the interest of a lot of people, for example, I, I didn't even know what smorg stood for until you just told me in this feedback. And I've heard you say, this is Chris from the smorg show. Uh, uh, several times in the past, and I see you. Uh, I see you send me emails from time to time. It says Chris from the Smorg Show, or you know, and and I see it in your email. It's just Smorg, just never it never piqued my interest. It's like Smorg Show, okay. But now I know that it stands for Smorgasbord, and it still doesn't pique my interest. And that's nothing against Chris and Ali. Matter of fact, you've piqued my interest more about your show with your feedback by doing this. 
Hey, Cliff. Hey, Cliff. This is Chris. And this is Allie. From the Smorg Show podcast. The Smorg Show podcast. You piqued my interest more about your podcast with that little bit right there, because now all of a sudden it's like, I don't even care what the Smorg Show is. You guys sound like a husband and wife who really are a lot of fun to listen to. You got great audio quality. And I'm like, you know what? I might go check out and see what an episode of the Smorg Show sounds like just because I I would have never guessed that the Smorg Show was a husband and wife duo podcast about whatever. I never would have even guessed it. Um, and and I, I would have just saw the title in iTunes and moved on. So... So if you're here's the deal, but let's just say you know you're not going to grab me with the uh, you're not going to you're not going to grab somebody over to the pursuing a balanced life or the family from the heart you know when nobody knows who Cliff and Stephanie are. So what we what we found is that when we have a specific topic that we are extremely passionate about, well then let's podcast about that. So we actually had. You know, when we did the Lost podcast, we gained fourteen thousand subscribers, all the you know automatically, and that went into the tens of thousands over the course of five years of podcasting about that show. Um, and then we started the Grey's Anatomy podcast. That immediately, I think, the Grey's Anatomy fan podcast immediately jumped up to about thirteen thousand subscribers. Um, and we had similar responses with the Doctor Who fan podcast and some of these other ones. The thing is, though, is we never did those things. We never actually did those things so that we could grow our audience. We did those things because we were passionate about those TV shows and we wanted to talk about it and we wanted to build relationships and community with the people who would listen. So so I want to just go back to the big important key factor in any equation when it comes to how do I do things with my podcast and it goes back to your motives. All right, what are the motives here? And if your motives are, motives are pure and, and it's about passion and it's about the love for what you're doing, then sure, go ahead. I'll give you another example of a way that recently I did uh, something uh, that uh, was was unique. So I was doing a podcast. I've been doing a podcast uh, with Father Roderick Von Hogan. He's a very very close personal friend of mine, and um, he and I were he and I was we were doing the uh, pers- uh, no we were doing the Biggest Loser Fan Podcast, and the Biggest Loser was on hiatus. And we didn't want to actually stop doing our shows. We enjoyed getting together on a weekly basis to talk about how things are going. And, and it's just a great time for us to catch up. And so they came up with this thing called Losing It with Jillian Michaels. Uh, or I think that was it. Yeah, Losing It with Jillian Michaels, which um, was a, a TV reality show kind of like along the same vein of losing weight and stuff like that with families. And she would move in with their family for a week. And uh, so we knew that that would be a popular thing, especially among the people who would also be interested in The Biggest Loser. So what we did is we actually did a series of episodes devoted to Losing It With Jillian. It was still The Biggest Loser Fan Podcast, but we created a second category because you can put a a podcast episode in more than one category. We created a second category on the same website, took that category's RSS feed, and took that to feed burner and created a brand new podcast called the Losing It with Jillian Fan Podcast. We gave it its own artwork, but we actually just pulled it from the category. Everything was sent back to the Biggest Loser Podcast, but in iTunes, people were searching for Jillian Michaels and losing it. They were subscribing to those episodes, and we got tons and tons and tons of new subscribers. So, on the Smirk Show, you said you talk about comedy. Well, let's create a create a special name or a brand for your comedy episodes. Create and every time you have a, com, a podcast or something like that that's devoted to that, then you can put it in that feed. But of course, then you've got your your 
breaking up your brand, watering it down a little bit. I don't know. I'm personally, my own recommendation, and of course, folks, please listen to this, and especially you and Chris and, Chris and Allie, don't do what I'm saying just because, you know, I'm only sharing with you my own experience and my own desires and what I would want to do for myself, and I'm just saying just because I have no desire to do it a different way shouldn't mean that you shouldn't plow your own your own uh, way through the fields, you know, that, that, that are ahead of you and, and that you shouldn't plow your own path. Um, you may, cause you maybe want to go down a different path than, than I do, but I just can't see myself doing this, you know, the, the, a show that nobody's searching for. And I don't think that just getting into some other directories that people aren't searching for your keywords is going to help either. I think if anything, if you're, if you're not willing to rebrand, if you're not willing to, you know, launch some other shows that, that definitely will capture an audience so that you can cross promote it and bring those other people and get them interested to who you guys are and then come check out the Smorg Show. If those two options don't work, then um, what was I going to say? I don't know. Oh, then I would say that, you know, then get out there and start marketing and calling into other shows just like you did here. And hopefully people will hear your guys' voice and and they'll just become interested in who you are. Plug yourself into some other communities, build relationships with people online through social networking and uh, and and get people to know, like and trust you through some other means. And hopefully they'll want to come check out a show that has Chris and Allie in it. So I don't know. I hope that that's helpful. Uh, but uh, those are the those are the, the big things. Choose a niche and stick with it, or create some other shows. Um, rebrand. I don't. I don't know. I, hopefully that was helpful, and hopefully I didn't just crush anybody's spirit just by saying, "Ah, you got the wrong brand." Because I don't mean to say that. Um, I, I just have had some experience with uh, with generally speaking in my crazy life that has proven that if you rebrand or choose a niche, uh, you're gonna find that you'll get a lot further if you're looking to grow your audience. All right, moving along, we have uh, Jonathan Nation. No, actually, yes, we do, but we're going to go to Robert Barnwell first. Hey, Cliff, this is Robert Barnwell of CEO Talk Radio and CFO Talk Radio, available at robertgbarnwell.com and iTunes. I had a question for the podcast Answer Man. Given that I recently launched my two podcasts, um, with your considerable help, thank you very much, much of my thinking over the past few weeks and maybe months has been around the subject of branding. And I've been surprised to discover that many of the most important branding elements um, that I consider so far have been free. Choosing a good name for your podcast, crafting keyword-rich podcast descriptions, selecting a website domain name, the colors that I use on my podcast cover art and website, and, uh, and similar things. And while many of these might seem relatively obvious to many people, some of the other branding elements are, are less obvious. For instance, the banner on my website. Um, initially, I, I had to answer the questions like, you know, what was the overall image that I wanted to portray on my website and podcast? Did I want it to be authoritative and formal? Did I want it to be informal and personable? And then given that decision, you know, what images and language in my podcast and on my website best conveyed that message um, or image? In any event, I realize that the topics I've, I've brought up and identified only touch the tip of the iceberg, so I'm hoping that you'll help me identify some of the other branding related topics that I and some of the other listeners should consider that maybe we haven't considered up to this point. So what have you learned from your own experience and given your uh, very impressive network with other 
internet businessmen and podcasters, you know, what have you learned from their experience as well? Thanks so much, Cliff. I appreciate all you've done to help out me personally and my podcasts and those of the other uh, community members as well. Thanks again. Bye-bye. All right, Robert, thank you very much for the question. And you know, you actually got most most everything that you you need to worry about, especially right off the off the front there. Um, obviously, we just talked about, you know, the name of your podcast. It, you know, there's a huge difference in the perception of what a podcast is about between my crazy life and pursuing a balanced life. So, um, definitely picking the right name for your show is a critical critical thing. And by the way, I'm all about creating uh, really boring show names. You know, like the Grey's Anatomy fan podcast. You know, there there were other Grey's Anatomy fan podcasts out there before we did ours. And guess what they were called? The the McDreamy show or uh, I can't remember some of the other things, but they had they you know, they were so they were all so clever that guess what? We trumped them. I mean, we I mean, when it came to um, gaining an audience in iTunes, we Trump. Tra- uh, what's the word? We we stomped all to- all over them in the rankings because we were the Gray's Anatomy fan podcast, and we, we the the McDreamy show and and the uh, you know the whatever the other clever and creative names that they came up with. You know, we we stomped all over them because people were searching not for McDreamy in iTunes. They were searching for Grey's Anatomy. And so, you know, guess what? There have been podcasts out there all about virtual assistants. And they had things like, you know, uh, your, you know, your online employee helps, you know, and, and some creative cleverness. Guess what? Go into iTunes, search for virtual assistant and then look in the podcast directory. And I bet you you're going to find the really boring titled virtual assistant podcast. You know, um, the, you know, pod, podcast answers, you know, hopefully if you type in podcast answers, podcast answer man's going to show up. Um, you know, help. I got a Mac, you know, that hopefully if you're looking for Mac podcast, you're going to see a show called help. I got a Mac. You know, we, we have a podcast where we talk about sh- social ne- uh, social media. And, uh, so we got social media serenity, um, it, your name is so important. Keyword rich titles and descriptions. Uh, so yeah, your RSS feed and feed burner, make sure you got your keyword, your description has lots of keywords in it, uh, that you're using the meta tag keywords and make sure that when you're t- on your WordPress blog, uh, or the title, you know, in for your, uh, RSS entry, uh, which if you're using WordPress is your WordPress blog title for your show notes, make sure that that title includes those really rich keywords. Um, your domain name is important that, you know, it doesn't matter that your domain is really long as long as it's really memorable. Um, you know, podcast answer man is not sh- short. Virtual assistant podcast.com is not short. It's easy to remember and people can go in and type it is as easy as pie. So getting the right domain is important. I think having a .com is, is very, very important. And if you actually end up with something like a .tv, like GSPN, TV, then make the .tv a part of your brand. Um, that's exactly what I did. It's in my the .tv is the part of the logo. Every time you know, a lot of people will actually talk about GSPN, but I actually say you know, every time I talk about GSPN, you hear me talk about GSPN.tv. Uh, you may ask yourself, well, why on Twitter do you have Twitter.com/GSPN? Because they don't allow a dot in there, uh, and so that's why I chose that. And, uh, but yeah, uh, and then you talked about artwork. Your artwork is 
vital. Before people even see the title of your show, sometimes they'll discount what the title of your show is. They won't even look and read it if your artwork is not something that is attractive to them. So in iTunes searches, your artwork is extremely important. And, uh, you know, you talked about the message and, and what you're trying to get across and how do you convey that. You you hit all the big things there. The only one that I think you missed, Robert, and this is the one I'm going to give to everybody, relationships in capital letters. Relationships and 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 the one other, actually, so I'm going to give you two more. Online presence. You know, people should, a part of your brand should, you know, if, if you want to do things the way that's made, you know, that's brought a lot of success to the network of shows that I have, it's, a, it's about the relationships I have. It's not just the content. It's like, wow, you know, Cliff and Stephanie, they're a lot of fun to get to know. They're, that, that's, a, that, you know, they really are approachable. They're, they're, they have this amazing community. They interact with you online and, and uh, you know, you're, if you email them, you're going to get a response. Um, and then online presence, you know, have your own website. But man, be in Twitter, be in LinkedIn, be in in uh, Facebook and and have those places out there where you, your target audience exists and not just have a presence, but engage in relationships with those people. Jonathan, I'm going to put your sh- your uh, your comment on to next week and uh, hopefully I won't forget to put it in next week. But uh, I appreciate you calling in. We'll 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 get to that one. Uh, next week. But anyway, I want to wrap the show here by sharing with you uh, some things that are going on for me because hopefully that's okay with you guys. If you guys are sick and tired of hearing me promote my stuff, then go ahead and hang up or stop the thing here and tune in next week. But I I do want to promote at least two things that I'm doing. I want to let you know the WordPress for Podcasters webinar series. Uh, This is where I basically take somebody who has no hosting account and you have no WordPress installation, no knowledge of WordPress at all, but you want to learn how to take that and turn it into, to sign up for a hosting account, install WordPress, uh, basically configure it, learn about the, you know, you heard me talk about permalinks. I show you how to set the permalinks up. I show, I actually explain to you what they are and why they're important. I actually show you how to configure all the little bits of settings and stuff here and there, all the plugins that you'll need and, and certainly nothing more than what you need. And then of course I show you how to configure it. It's all step-by-step video after video. There are a total of eight videos in the session. It is less than one it's actually no it's actually right now currently one third the cost of hiring me one-on-one completely just updated this it's available over at podcastanswerman.com slash products that's wordpress for podcasters in fact somebody uh who called me yesterday says you know hey i've got wordpress i understand wordpress but i just don't know how to set up this rss feed and these plugins and i said i'll tell you what get wordpress for podcasters and you you just don't need to watch video number one or two all right, you'll just sit. You'll go just go down through episode, you know, ver, uh, video three through the rest, and you'll be. It'll answer everything you need to know. WordPress for podcasters over at podcastanswerman.com/slash/products. And hey, here's the big one. I want to let you know I am going to be doing that five week training session in March. I've already got four people signed up. I need twenty. Uh, to make sure that I, I can devote all the time in in February to prepare for it and all the time in March to carry it off. Uh, so here's the deal. It is a five-week program. I am going to uh, I am going to tell you next week what all is included uh, in it because it's there's going to be a lot. It's going to be a ton. But it's only $800. 
And here's the situation. If you're a podcaster and you have people out there listening in your audience who are interested in podcasting and you think you might be able to convince some people to sign up for this thing, I'm going to create, uh, it's it's not going to be like a easy to do affiliate. I'm going to do an unofficial affiliate thing here, it's, although it's going to be official. Here's the situation. Anybody that you get to sign up for my five-week course, I will pay you a commission of $150. So that's right. Basically, what happens is you get them to sign up. And what I would recommend that you do is you you basically have them contact you to, for more information. You would then recommend, refer them on to me and I'll take it from there. And uh, if they're on the fence, I'll try to get them to sign up. And if they sign up at the end of uh, March, so basically right around the first week in April, as long as they've paid for the, the full course in April, I'm going to be paying out $150 for each person that you would recommend to my five-week training. So there you go. If you're interested in that, email me with any questions, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. Until next time, I encourage you to join the community.